This episode of Grunt Work brought to you by Binford's Best 4000 Series Reciprocating Saw. The only saw that says, I love you too. Welcome, everybody, to yet another episode of Grunt Work, the podcast where we watch every episode of Home Improvement and then talk about them. Uh, I'm your host, Truman Caps, here with the other host, Landon. How you doing? And uh, and as is so often the case, we have just watched an episode of Home Improvement. <laughs> that we have. Funny how that always happens. I how, know, right? How are you? How's it going? Uh, good, good. Uh, you and I have been seeing quite a bit of each other recently. I would say so. Yeah, I would say uh, so. For our podcast listeners, Truman and I are friends outside of this podcast. Which and, is a uh, shock, I, I know. I know. Uh, we, we spent the weekend together up in Big Bear um, for a bachelor party, uh, which I only mention because uh, it dawned on me... We're only, what, this is episode 15. Yeah, yeah. Only 15 episodes in, and I'm shocked at how much home improvement has ingrained itself in my life and talking about it to other people. Yeah, yeah. So, are you referring to the fact that we spent mm, 30% of the holiday explaining to people why we're doing a podcast about home improvement, or the fact that you gave me a clue in a board game... Oh, right. You, you, communi- you communicated to me by saying Wilson, and then I yeah. immediately knew that the words on that we're playing a game called Code Names. Yeah, code right. Words. Code names, uh, code words, in which if you haven't played, you get a bunch of nouns on the table, and then there's a clue giver who has to uh, try to connect as many clues, uh, as many as many words with one word clue as possible. And um, there were two words on the table, which was fence and teacher. Yes, and my clue. Completely shunning the other teammates. Yes, was Wilson, and then I just drilled a hole into to Truman as you know, as one does. To yes, try to... you got to be careful with your wording there. But yes, that's that is what happened. Uh, and I think I think by the end of the weekend, uh, everyone hated us a little bit more. But I feel like our love for each other was that much stronger because yeah. now we can speak in a sort of home improvement code. If it's you will. true, but you know what? They'll forgive us once they realize the gift that is home improvement that we are putting back into their lives. Yes, yes. If any of them ever start listening, <laughs> and, and if you're out there, guys, you're welcome. <laughs> Uh, so this week, this week on Home Improvement, what, yeah. what happened? Um, this is kind of an interesting episode, so kind of piggybacking on last week's episode where Tim had a friend over. Yes. Uh, Jill has her friend Karen over, who seems to be, I don't know if this is a derogatory term or not, but a staunch feminist. She, sir, Tim certainly refers to her as much. Yeah. Um, but she kind of takes Tim to task, uh, for just being a man. Yeah. Um, and... This leads Tim to kind of pr- try to prove, at least, that men are more useful uh, than just starting wars. That the, yeah. that them that men and their tools can do can be a source of good. Um, but uh, that that's kind of like the the thread that's explored throughout this episode. With we'll get into the details of it. But uh, meanwhile, Brad has his first date with Jenny Zadarsky. Oh man! And he is terrified about his first dance with a girl. And and also, the, I mean, this is the world's first date with Jenny Zadarsky. We mm, finally mm-hmm. see her for the first time. Which I think was personally a highlight of the episode for me, just because I've been hearing about this lady for, yeah. what, six, ten episodes now? Yeah, and it'd fin- be like if uh, Bob Sacramento ever showed up on Seinfeld. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> At a certain point, you can't talk about a character and not show them without disappointing the audience. Like, yeah. There's no actor that could have been cast as Bob Sacramento 
on Seinfeld that would have satisfied the character that had been built up in everybody's minds. Yeah, th- this is why this is why Maris never appears on Frasier. They they start <laughs> right. they start building her up to be such a uh, such a creature almost mm-hmm. that that defies all explanations. Yeah, yeah. You know, frail, tiny uh, socialite. That no, they just you know the the imagination. What your imagination creates right. is better than which is kind of um, continuing the the fact that uh, Norm's wife was never seen on Cheers. Uh-huh. I think she appears on one episode, but she gets a pie in the face, and you never actually get to see the actress. Um, suffice it to say that had they gone one or two more episodes mentioning Jenny Zadarsky without ever showing her, uh, they would have trapped themselves and never been able to actually uh, bring her onto the show, I feel like. Uh, is there any more synopsis? No, uh, I mean, that's we've... that's basically the plot of the thing. Yeah. But we'll let's unpack it. Let's get into it. When Tim said... At the beginning, that mm-hmm. uh, oh, Karen's coming over. Ah, uh, she's such a feminist, and yep. he gets he gets all upset. I was I thought this episode was going to really get at what's at the core of the show. Something that we'd just even been discussing earlier about how how masculinity and femininity aren't necessarily at odds with each other. How they yeah. can coexist. And the episode is kind of about that. I just feel like they never get really like he and Karen never really fight. They never really yes. come. They never really get after each other. Like right. Jill is always there, and and. Well, lucky for you, I don't think this is the only appearance of Karen on the show. Oh, really? I do believe she comes back up. And uh, we should probably mention that the actress is uh, Betsy Randall, probably better known for Boy Meets World. I also thought it was funny that, that one week after uh, Jill is getting after Tim for having this friend who always makes fun of her, then we get Jill's friend who always makes right. fun of Tim. <clears throat> Although, but it was a, a much different tone of an episode. Yeah, and and also Karen is just a much better person than Stu was. <laughs> Karen is, right. you know, Karen isn't leading people around doing armpit farting. Uh, True. Parades. Yeah, but I mean, for what it's worth, she was pretty aggressive. For you know, I mean, it's for not being like a guest in his Tim home. Tim just walks in and she lays into him right out the gate for oh I see you bought a tool it's like well, yeah. yeah I just bought a tool calm down that has nothing to do with and even if it does have a compensation for you know his manhood yeah like, calm down well it's it's the fact that she walks into the house Tim has bought the uh, Binford's best 4000 series reciprocating saw yes uh, thank you I was looking for it in my notes and and just 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 freestyling yeah. off the top of my head trying to remember all yeah I would have unwound real quick I've been in that position <laughs> Uh, but he, so he's just bought this drill. It's got its nice big carrying case. Karen walks in, sees it, and within, within 30 seconds of coming into this guy's house, uh, starts implying that Tim has a tiny penis and is making up, is making up for it with the, uh, with the drill that he's bought. And before we go too far, I want to, like, I want to point out, <laughs> I don't know if you saw when they sat down, Jill and, uh, Karen sat down at the table. Not only the amount, but the size of the cinnamon buns. Yeah, though they looked massive. They were like they put cinnabun to shame. They were yeah. gigantic. I noticed that they were like square cut yeah. too. So it was like they just had a whole tray full of them yeah. from craft services, and they probably went in there with that with that Binford reciprocating saw <laughs> yeah. and just punched straight through. <laughs> no, they were they were like they were like eight inches tall. They were yeah, I don't know about eight inches. They were definitely like more than any single person should consume, and there were like four or five of them on the plate. I just like picture the afternoon that Jill and Karen are having, where they're you know munching down on these uh, cinnamon buns. I, I it's sort of like Requiem for a Dream. You know, they they eat the cinnamon buns and then they get this massive sugar high and they clean the entire <laughs> house in that day, and then they crash out in a major way. By the, by the next time we see them, they're both yeah. drinking white wine out of highball glasses, flopped on the couch. So it's <laughs> clearly been a rager. The arc that things take is we we first meet 
the family is Tim has come back from taking Brad to the uh, taking, taking Mark, Mark to the, yeah. yeah taking Mark to the hardware store and he's making Mark kind of memorize where everything is in his mind's eye like where are the things and Mark's like aisle one A and man just there are are their faces ever going to be read in like thirty years when retail dies completely and you never have to buy anything <laughs> in a store again <laughs> I know Mark all this uh, useless information is going to be bouncing around in his head like you know back in nineteen ninety oh I guess it's nineteen ninety two yeah uh, back in nineteen ninety two in Sears the reciprocating saws were on <laughs> aisle three B at the top shelf. Of course, uh, who are we really to criticize people for having a lot of useless knowledge when we were just talking about the the home improvement uh, knowledge base that we've got that we that's, that benefited us this weekend? That's very, very true. Um, can we pause yeah. for a second and go back to the theme song? Yeah, let's go back to the. Oh yes, you want to ask me? Yeah, no, no I want to. Um, I noticed a couple things here. One. Tim busts through the wall with a sledgehammer yes. in the opening theme song, and we see that happen a couple episodes ago in Bubble yeah, Wobble yeah. Toil and Trouble. Yeah. I'm wondering if all the things that are happening in the theme songs are going to come to fruition on the show. So, uh, so again, you're suggesting that eventually, uh, eventually Brad will turn on a black and white TV with his dad's face on it, that the house <laughs> will have propellers attached and lift up into the sky... That uh, someone will will spray a big blob of caulk behind uh, Mark as he puts on a pair of goggles. I'm surprised how much of this I can yeah. recall from memory. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not... Uh, yeah, that's what I'm suggesting. Maybe that is all going to happen. Tim will come up, up from the ground at the same time as an I-beam, and they will both <laughs> remain parallel to each other, wobbling back and forth. <laughs> and th- another thing I noticed was um, when the, the kids are on screen and their names are... Uh, below them, mm-hmm. the uh, they each have these like little like toy like Mark has some uh, dinosaur toys and stuff behind him in this yeah. kind of like pattern. Yeah, um, shouldn't Randy have like shotguns and handcuffs and uh, <laughs> other torture devices behind him? He's severed animal heads on <laughs> on pikes. Yeah, right. Uh, bondage gear, kind of like all that <laughs> stuff that that Maynard and Zed have in their basement in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, exactly. That exactly. basically Ving Rhames there with a ball gag in the background, just wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's just something I noticed that was kind of funny. No, I, 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 yeah, I think that the, well, probably when they shot the theme song, it wasn't clear yet just how dark Randy was going to get or how far (laughs) he would be. And we still don't know how dark he's going to get. We're only 15 episodes in. Yes, yes. But we we actually don't even see much of Randy in this episode. He kind of, he plays the Mark role a little bit here in that he's bouncing between Brad and the parents just yeah. to kind of communicate some stuff, but yeah. I don't know if you noticed that they kind of gave him the a lot of the zingers oh. uh, throughout the episode just to kind of help uh, usher him as a, a performer yeah. along. No, he he had I think one of the one of the best out of left field jokes in this episode regarding a piece of uh, table that is stuck to someone's head. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, let's get there. Let's, yeah, yeah, so let's get to that. Tim on tool time. This is a pretty iconic moment yeah. uh, on the show. It's very, it's very well played and executed. Yeah, yeah. So Tim, um, after having this conversation with Karen and feeling kind of belittled, goes on tool time. He's like, I got to get something off my chest. Meanwhile, in the background, uh, Al is gluing up a, a table uh, yeah. to do laminate. Yeah. And um, they're going to like lay laminate floor, and he's putting the glue that goes between the floorboards and the... Uh, this is an actual home improvement show all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, <laughs> First of all, you want to get a nice layer of laminate going before you put... Nope, you want to put the glue before you put the laminate. This is a bad home improvement show. <laughs> and, and, and I feel like it's going to explode at any moment. I've inherited Tim's <laughs> ineptitude here. But but I, I know even less than Tim does, so you're a Tim adrift without an owl. <laughs> 
That's that's the way. That's the biggest danger. It would it would be like if Tool Time. It's the alternate dimension where Tool Time is just two Tims, and and the disasters they create eventually destroy the entire world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just a, a time paradox waiting to happen. It's a world where where the words "I don't think so, Tim" don't exist and have never been uttered. But yeah, so we're we're at Tool Time. He's laying the glue down, and uh, he's laying he's laying the glue down. Al prefaces this by saying, now everybody at home, remember, this uh, Binford superglue bonds instantly with human skin, so you have to be careful. Yeah, nice Uh, little setup there. Yeah, very excellent exposition, Al. You're doing your job. (laughs) And uh, Tim rather predictably uh, dismisses this. I don't really know why Tim feels the need to dismiss what seems like a fairly... cogent and when worthwhile yeah. warning about this this is super fast sealing glue yeah uh maybe it's just um what they call in the the comedy trade a uh sleight of hand oh a, or, is that what it's called i think I that's a magic term <laughs> <laughs> well uh it's at the a distraction isn't the word i'm looking for but you know uh Sleight of hand is as close as I'm going to get, so let's just go with that. Uh, so he <laughs> he go so Tim goes over with the piece of laminate to glue to the top of this coffee table, and in the process of trying to place it, he knocks the dowels. He's trying to line it up with off yep. the table. He bends down to pick them up and hits his forehead on the table, and then gets his forehead glued to the tabletop. <laughs> in in a bit of like, I knew that he was going to get stuck to the table somehow. I didn't realize it was going to be that way, and it was it was quite amusing. And he did it. <laughs> And he did it in the middle of giving Al a whole raft of crap about right. something. Yeah. So yeah, then he's so he's stuck with his head uh, pasted to the tabletop, fumbling around behind him trying to find Al. Yeah, and Al has this little bit of uh, uh, vindictive uh, redemption, you know, getting back at Tim for kind of mouthing off at him earlier. And vindictive redemption is actually the name of Al's uh, band too. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what genre it is. Yeah, probably slow jazz. So, oh God, it is slow jazz. I feel like <laughs> it's Al, an ironic title. Yeah, I feel like I think Al is is probably. Well, I don't think it's an ironic title. I think it's Al's. Uh, that's what's on his mind after he gets off the set of <laughs> yeah, right. He plays really fiery, fast saxophone in this jazz combo <laughs> just to get out all of his aggression from a day on the set of Tool Time. Oh my God! Wait a minute. What if Al is actually Ron Swanson? That oh man, that or related. Sense. I could see them being brothers. And now I'm. How many damn seasons was uh, was Parks and Rec on the air, and they never had Richard Karn on playing uh, Ron Swanson? It half seems brother. like a missed opportunity. That would be that would be so perfect. Oh my They're, god, he's already in the Midwest. It's very plausible. Now I'm just gonna for the rest of my life be yearning for a jazz sax duet between Ron Swanson and Al Borland. <laughs> I would. It's never gonna come to fruition. I, I'm just I'm just waiting for any kind of movie that pairs Nick Offerman and Richard Karn together, <laughs> a, like a buddy cop movie, a buddy woodworking movie. That seems a lot more likely. Uh, a buddy saxophone movie. It's just gonna be a lot of. Uh, one word answers to each other nodding approvingly at the decisions each other's making yeah it would be i think there would not be a lot of dialogue it yeah. would be it would be one of those one of those movies where they say a lot more with uh, with looks than than with uh, than with actions yeah agreed so tim gets his head glued yeah. to a table and then coming out of that scene we get uh, i don't i don't even really know how to describe this transition which i say a lot but they are getting hard to describe where it's like a coffee table flips up into the screen, and then and fills it, and we yeah. fade to black. So I, I guess it's like like if it's like a coffee table flying up from below, as though you've stepped yeah, on a someone rake. like uh, from behind the 
the camera just like did a table flip only with the frame of the the screen. Yeah, it's I mean if we should probably establish some power rankings for the uh for the transitions or more power rankings. <laughs> but I if as soon as we do this one is going to be low. I think really we should build like a bracket mm-hmm. of all the best transitions yeah. and kind of work through them until there's just head to head. I'm but, sure someone on YouTube has already assembled some sort of compilation of the best home improvement transitions. I, I feel like watching a 10 minute video of just home improvement transitions would kind of drive you crazy <laughs> after a while. Well, there's that uh, 10 minute video, it might even be longer of uh all the grunts throughout the series which Considering we're at what now? We're we are at oh god, we're at 245. 245. According to this video, there are throughout the entire series 600 and some. That doesn't make sense to me. No, that can't be right. No, it can't be. And especially considering you're only counting Tims. Yeah. I, someone's math is off here. And it's probably not mine despite my well-documented struggles <laughs> with math. I mean, listen, I'm not so great with with algebra and all that stuff, but in terms of counting how many times Tim goes, and then making a note on my computer and then reading that back to you guys, I feel confident in that. So (laughs) what what was the grunt count this week? The the grunt count this week uh, was five. Very low. It was, and look, it was going to be just one. Tim does a massive, massive grunt in the first scene. I was wondering how you were going to track that. It was one because there's no separation. So yeah. he's he has just gotten uh, back from the store with Mark, and Mark has recited his perfectly memorized uh, locations of everything in the hardware store, and Tim just goes... <laughs> it's weird oh. that he turned into the Hulk and uh, just busted out the window there. Yeah, I'm looking at the waveform of what I just did, and I am sorry, listeners. I hope you had your earbuds turned down for that one. That's going to be some editing. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's a massive grunt, but I think he has to eat for it to count as two grunts. It has, he has to attack it multiple times. Sure, so, yeah. uh, 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 like the uh, noise. That's the beginning yeah. of that signifies the beginning of a new grunt. I, I have to mention too, that I noticed at the end of this episode, I noticed, as you mentioned a few episodes ago, the, the kind of pre grunt, uh, grumble in his voice when yeah. you like as soon as he went started like talking about the engine block at the yeah. the second uh, tool time scene that we get his voice starts going he starts listening off all the features about it and then he starts getting yeah 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 he get he he works his way down it's like yeah. going into the deep end of a pool you just just deeper 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 it's almost like the modern man starts to slowly shave his way off as this primitive man emerges yeah yeah it's well it's like it's like carving a canoe you just chisel away everything that isn't a primitive uh, neanderthal type man <laughs> Uh, I, I think since we're talking grunts, yeah. uh, it's worth mentioning, I, I've, I've been, you know, any true fan of grunt work knows that I am not counting grunts other than Tim's. I've said, if yeah. I've said it once, I've said it a million times. People keep writing in saying, why aren't you counting the other grunts? <laughs> I'm telling them, guys, I'm not Superman, but. And we, we have not one, but two, or do we even have three? Well, well, I can't like, remember if Jill did it or not. Jill did three grunts herself. And Wilson did a single grunt. We got a Wilson grunt. And that, I have to record, I can't not comment on the fact that Will, I've never heard Jill grunt before, certainly never heard Wilson she grunt She grunted, I think, a few episodes ago. Okay, then it's, well, it's been, it's been a while. Didn't, um, Mark grunted in this one as well. Yeah, Mark grunted in this way. The boys all grunt yeah, fairly often. They, yeah. they, they do that. It, it's uncharacteristic of Jill to grunt. And when she did it, it was, it, when it's when Karen is over and they're yeah. both razzing Tim. I also, I, I like, j- just to make a brief detour to build up how much we love Patricia Richardson, as soon as her friend is around, the the way she, she changes her performance in a way yes. to, be, to be like, 
you know, the way that you are when you're around your friends. Yeah. And so it goes from, she has this dynamic with Tim where they're kind of uneven footing to then, oh, my friend is here. Now I'm kind of more elevated. Now I'm poking more fun at Tim. Yeah, just, right. Just, you know. Good, and again, to kind of like, I don't want to just sound too much like a Patricia Richardson fanboy, but she plays that in a way that is way different than I feel like other actresses would in that, as you just touched on, it's very real. Yeah. Uh, it's not like, she's not taking the persona of her friend yeah. so much as she's she's playing it through Jill's perspective of having a friend over. Yeah. You know, because I feel like if it was like, I don't want to be disparaging to other actresses, but like Patricia Heaton comes to mind from Everybody Loves Raymond, where she would just kind of assume that personality and become super henpecky uh, and step out of her own character. But Jill just has like a very layered performance here. And it's, it's super impressive. I think that if we don't get invited to Thanksgiving at Patricia Richardson's house this year, we, we should just cancel the <laughs> podcast because that's really what it's about. Yes. Uh, no, I, I agree though. She doesn't go all the way on attacking Tim. She still stays in her own personality. And yeah. Her own self. Having fun with it, you know, kind yeah. of. Yeah, you know, just showing elements of her performance we've seen before where it's her poking the bear is a term that I've used many, many times. Um, And I'm sure many more as this podcast goes on. Um, Unless we retire that term right now. Do we want want to make history and never say poking the bear again? Uh, I can't (laughs) promise that, but I'm I'm willing to try. I'm just trying to make a conscious effort not to keep saying yeah into the microphone as you're talking, (laughs) and even I can't do that, so let's not make any promises. Yeah, no promises. The No Promises podcast. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, anyhow, she's just fantastic. And... Yeah, and so when she starts grunting at Tim, making fun of him for his uh, for his drill with Karen, that caught me off guard. But the real brilliance of Wilson's grunt, and I mean, since yes. we're jumping all over the place, Tim eventually goes out to talk to Wilson, as yeah. he so often does, about the pay- well, yeah, about uh, this thing that he keeps getting clobbered yeah, with. man's this- world, woman's world, who, you know, yeah. are men overly aggressive? Women, yeah. are, are women that much better if they were in charge? Yeah, yeah. Right. The, Karen and Karen and Jill, their their constant refrain is they're kind of holding Tim up as an ex- as this uh, uh, surrogate for all men and yeah. saying, you're responsible for wars, you're responsible for misogyny and yeah, for, uh, right. all this stuff. And so Tim goes out and is talking to Wilson about it and... Before even they get that far into the conversation, uh, Tim says something. Tim just says, "Oh, it's all because of the patriarchy and and <laughs> it's a patriarchal society." And- yeah, and Wilson just goes, <laughs> and and, and it, it it shocked me. But yeah, so Tim is Tim is saying, "Yeah, patriarchal society, patri from the Greek for father, yeah, which comes yeah, exactly, yeah." And and Wilson is is like a like a teacher. Uh, <laughs> he is very. He, it's like it's like on the, those moments on Breaking Bad when uh, Jesse actually demonstrates some limited knowledge of chemistry, yeah, right? And or Michael Scott learns how to, you know, they're not. He shows that he's actually a great salesman. Yeah, you get that little, but but that sense that you get, uh, that sense that you get from from Walter White of like, oh, mild, a little bit of pride, like you actually did, it. you actually picked something yeah. up. Wilson is so proud of Tim for knowing this, and Tim says, "Well, I, I heard it on an episode of Mannix." <laughs> And I, I'm, I have a vague. I, I understand Mannix was like a '70s cop show. Mm-hmm. I'm just, was there an episode where they were talking about the patriarchy and not just the patriarchy, <laughs> but the fact that the word pat, the Greek root of patriarchy <laughs> is patri, meaning father. 
Because that would be a very erudite uh, 70s cop show. Is, <laughs> That's is, right. Is Mannix like a women's studies professor who moonlights as a cop or something? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. There is uh, the patriarchal car- uh, killer that oh. they were chasing for, you know, a five-episode uh, five uh, miniseries, maybe. Yeah, yeah they, they need to recruit Gloria Steinem to, to help catch him. <laughs> yeah, right. They need to learn the, the Greek roots of words in order to, like, decipher his clues. This sounds suspiciously like an episode of Ghost Rider on PBS. <laughs> or, or or maybe, like, Carmen Sandiego. Any kind right. of show where we have to solve crimes by learning things. <laughs> <laughs> Two shows that I loved as a kid, by oh, the way. Oh, yeah, me too, me too. More more Carmen Sandiego than Ghost Rider, I will admit. Yeah, Ghost Rider was a little cheesy, even even for the age yeah. that I was. Yeah, even even for a 90s public uh, television kid show, it was pretty cheesy. <laughs> um, But, yeah, no, Wil- so Wilson Grunting was cool, yeah. but then uh, then he shares with Tim some lot. So, just, just to step back from, yeah, from yeah. all of this, though... So the whole thrust of this episode is men are destructive and men like tools because they are aggressive and destructive. Right. And men are responsible for holding women back and creating this society that uh, does not value women equally. And I I think that there's a certain amount of validity to that, yeah, uh, to a lot of sure. those arguments. I'm not going to throw men completely under the bus, but I don't think that the... I don't think the show really goes all the way. It doesn't really make an, a meaningful effort to tackle this. The mm. show, I think the the point where the show kind of gets to is Karen and Jill are attacking Tim over this and and saying that Tim is responsible for all this. And Wilson points out to Tim that, well, no, there are societies where women ran everything and those were super violent and destructive too. And so then the point that it kind of gets to is, yep, men and women have to work together, but <laughs> yeah. it doesn't really touch on the fact that in the society we're in now, there is really entrenched uh, misogyny and, and things working against women. And, right. And there's not really a path forward. And, and of course, you, you only Were got... you expecting this episode to solve all of our world's yes, problems? <laughs> yes. Is it so much to ask? <laughs> That's why that, that you know we all know that that uh, the patriarchy got solved like thirty years ago, and it was I assumed it was because of this episode of Home Improvement. If not this episode, then which episode? Season two, season three? How long do we have to wait? Oh, Carmen Esposito. Is that the Espe- Esperanza? That's Carmen Finestra. Carmen Finestra. That's that's the one. That's He's the one. one of the show creators with David McFadden and uh, Matt Williams, and I think that they wrote a fair share of the episodes. They certainly like were in the writers' room. So yeah, I think he, it's fair to. Put that a little bit on his shoulders. Do you think that Carmen Finestra, being named Carmen Finestra in the 90s, had a lot of issues with getting confused with Carmen Electra because she was kind of a big thing? Considering they're different genders, I doubt it, but... <laughs> I, I suppose. But I mean, just, I don't know, just imagine if there was like, if there was like a, a like sexy model on TV named like Landon Spolano. There, there'd fair. be a certain, yeah. like, at least every time you met someone, they'd be like, oh, you know, La- uh, Landon Spolano, she's really hot. Dude, I get that from, well... I get Lando Calrissian all the time. Really? You yeah. get Lando Calrissian? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's it's a lifelong thing. So yeah, Carmen Finestra, that's a name. <laughs> uh, well, no, so, yes, to your point, I guess I'm not saying I expected it to solve all of feminism's issues. I just, <laughs> right. or, all, or all of the issues between men and women. I just, I feel as though it never really makes, neither side really makes an especially compelling argument. The whole argument seems to consist of, Men do some crappy stuff. Right. Men aren't that crappy. And also women used to be crappy. 
Well, we got to work together. Well, let me let me counterpoint you with this: is Can that I, I think in terms of taking it per episode, we're not going to see the points that are being made. But if we look at it as each you know uh, season or even the full series, it's going to further explore this idea between um, men and women trying to coexist with one another despite sure. their differences. Um, which is why I wrote this note down at one point because Tim makes at least two really kind of misogynistic and dismissive uh, terms toward Jill and just feminists in general. When he's talking to Wilson and Wilson uh, brings up the point of, well, you know, women used to be in power too. And Tim makes some sort of joke like, what do they do, have bake-offs? Yeah. Uh, and then later in the episode, um, when he's helping Brad, which we haven't even touched on yet. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> That's probably going to be the rest. We're going yeah. to wear out this feminism stuff and go straight to Brad right. and Jenny. So he's helping Brad with his tie, and uh, Brad's asking him about dancing with a girl for the first time, and uh, Tim gives us really sweet answers, like, well, you know, you just kind of, you know, join together, and pretty soon you start to, to move, and um, at a certain point, you don't know how you get there, but you just do, kind of like the way your mom drives. Yeah. <laughs> and so all of this to make my point, which is that I think in the the up your alley the bowling episode there is a lot of uh tim making fun of jill but the writers knew that he couldn't win that competition at the end in order to balance the scales a bit sure here tim is getting really railed on at the beginning and so they give him a little leeway to make these jokes to kind of push back i don't necessarily mm. agree with the jokes yeah but um i i think that Overall, it's trying to show that the scales are balanced between men and women despite their differences. And, and uh, yeah, and to be fair, and to the show's credit, I think a lot of, because they, they hit that thing about dancing, about who leads when they, the man right. is supposed to lead, oh, but really no one should be leading, you should be working together, which I, seems to be a, a metaphor for the fact that that neither one should be dominant, that both both sides yeah. should work together. And they're, the, heart, the show's heart is in the right place. Yeah. I'm not, again, this is still, this still... I guess I'm waiting for for that caricature, you know, whatever episode fulfills this caricature that everyone seems to have of the show just being this woman-hating nightmare. Well, I and I think that's what we're starting to disprove, is that yeah. it, that isn't the case here. Yeah. That this is, while, you know, you mentioned in a couple episodes ago, it is more skewed a little toward man's uh, manhood and man's. masculinity. Man's. <laughs> just, just all the man's. All the man's. Um, it is showing both sides of it and being equally... Um, sensitive and and just allowing both to exist in a place that even as you said at the beginning of the episode it's you know masculinity not being opposed to femininity sure that they can coexist uh without being contrasting to one another but i think that to to kind of try and clobber home improvement for being tone deaf or, or misogynistic or something or, or to say oh th that show is so sexist because of these jokes they make or these scenes or these bits it's like if you look at, like, you have to understand that people are a product of their time and art right. is a product of its time. Yeah. Getting on getting on home improvement for having these sort of tone-deaf moments is like saying, oh, the movie Holiday Inn has zero validity because there's a blackface dance scene in it. It's right. like, that's not cool that they did that. Definitely not okay. But at the time, that was considered, people didn't know it was wrong at the time. And so, well, white people didn't. That's very true. <laughs> white, white people are like, what, what's your problem? What's wrong with it? Come on. You, 
didn't want to vote that bad anyway, did you? Come on, it's terrible. I shouldn't be laughing. No, well, no, no. You're laughing at my hilarious yeah, jokes about a dark point in America's history. <laughs> that's that's what we do that's here. Fair, on yeah, this we need show. to laugh our way through it. Yeah. Well, it's behind us. It's yeah. behind us. It's, it, racism's never going to be a problem again. The sexism's <laughs> never going to be a problem again. Home improvement fixed all these issues. the the show The show is touching on these issues in a way that is of the '90s and yeah. of the time when it was being done, and that's kind of where the conversation was at. But a, the fact that they're even touching on these things is good, and b, they they handle it overall in a pretty good way if you grade them on a curve for it being. It's very the time. true. Yeah, I mean, I, as much as I the the term isn't natural to me, uh, it is very woke in that um, it's. It's presenting these things as a discourse that, you know, I think in the 90s, late 80s and 90s, like, psychology really hit the mainstream. Oh, yeah. And so this, uh, you know, these discussions started to come up between men and women uh, a lot more often, especially in the home. Yeah. Um, So I think, if anything, it's a product of the time in that regard, that this was the discussion being had at the time. It's not that they were um, creating this argument for the sake of the show. It's just that it was reflecting what people were talking about. And also, so far in just 15 episodes, I feel like Home Improvement has delved a lot deeper into psychology, and by which I mean Wilson has delved a lot deeper into psychology, (laughs) than really any Frasier episode I've seen. Well, okay, maybe that's not true. (laughs) <laughs> there is, I, I'm. I think this show get, is more frequently about psychology, or at least more frequently touches on psychological stuff than mm-hmm. than Frasier, which is about psychologists. There are certainly some episodes <laughs> that are about that. There is an yeah. episode where Frasier has a debate with a dream version of Sigmund Freud. Sure, but there's also <laughs> most episodes of Frasier are about them trying to get ready for some social gathering that turns into a hilarious farce. Or, or Niles being in love with Daphne or something. Yeah, right. And there's not a whole lot of discussion of meta-messaging or the patriarchy or all these things that Wilson seems to just be thinking about. Well, what's that, um, wasn't there, there's a, a book, uh, I can't remember his name, Green is his last name, maybe Robert, I can't remember, someone Green, he wrote that, like, uh, Power of the Master book or uh, Master... Of none. Master of Love, something like that. He, he wrote, like, a series of books about... Uh, how to present power. Well, anyhow, his romance book uh, had some sort of example of like men and women who are engaged intellectually in their day jobs and their day lives often seek more thrilling stuff at night uh, or in their relationships. Whereas people who work with their hands and are doing all that stuff during the day typically look for more intellectual feats at night. I'm wondering if that's kind of, you know, that, that contrasting thing obviously is the basis for all comedy yeah but uh, i bet that's a big part of why you see that difference there after after a long day of working with his hands tim wants nothing more than to just get out into that backyard and chat with wilson about the the nature of the universe yeah exactly i don't work with my hands unless you count typing on a keyboard and even i wouldn't mind in the evenings going out into the backyard i don't have and talking to wilson about the world truman you can go out into your imaginary backyard and talk to your imaginary best friend whenever you want to Thank you. That I, I, I that thank you for encouraging me to do that. I can feel. I feel like if I ever get arrested for anything, you telling me that is going to come up in a court case. <laughs> this is going to be evidence. Yeah. <laughs> Consider this my official testimony. Oh, that's great. That's great. That could be the new name of the podcast. This is going to be evidence. <laughs> uh, so there's also some evidence of love in the yes. air. Uh, and of coming of age moments. Yeah, uh, yeah I think you know I, where we're this going. This is very, very satisfying to watch 
the trajectory of Brad's budding romance with Jenny Zadarsky over what, like five or so episodes it's, now? It's been it's been a lot. It's been yeah. more than five, I think. Yeah. The, in just in her being referenced, right? Uh, so. Okay, it's not Taryn Noah Smith who plays Brad. <laughs> Zachary Ty Bryant. Zachary Ty Bryant. There's a lot of three named kids, and all, it's, all three of them have three names. There's nine names I have to keep track of <laughs> that can be in any any series of permutations. So it's hard. Yeah. Taryn Noah Smith. I'm I'm growing more and more to really enjoy his acting, and I, I Mark really or Brad. Brad. That's that's Zachary Ty Bryant. Zachary Ty Bryant. God. <laughs> well, you see what my problem is, Zachary Ty. Even though I can't remember his name, Zachary Ty Bryant. Zachary. Ty. Taylor. No! Smith. Stop fucking with me! <laughs> it's like a slot machine. It's just like, you pull it, and you get the, it, you, it, you, you get, you get the, the big payout if it goes Jonathan Taylor Thomas. But then, if it's like Jonathan Ty Bryant, you don't get anything. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor Thomas is like getting three cherries. I, yeah, I There's get, a joke there. I'm not gonna touch it though. Uh, yeah, probably, don't touch the cherries. Uh, Z- Zachary Ty Bryant. Yes. Zachary Ty Bryant is the one I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm just going to repeat it a few times. I am really great. I'm getting to be a fan of Zachary Ty Me Bryant's too. acting. I, I think that, you know, Mark is very good at being cute. Mm-hmm. And uh, and J- JTT is really good at being funny and trickster yeah. and a sociopath. But, but Zachary Ty Bryant is... I, I think that Brad is a more nuanced role in a way. He's yeah. the oldest one. He's kind of... And in this episode, there's a lot of heavy lifting. Because he mm-hmm. has to be simultaneously awkward and nervous about this date and kind of pissed at people for trying to make a big thing of it. Yeah, but he then, bounces around a lot of emotions between a lot of the different characters. Yeah. Kind of pushing back when people, like, try to, you know, embarrass him a little bit, but actually being nervous when the thought of dancing comes up. But yeah. also kind of angsty when he's told he has to get a new tie and go to this, uh, uh, you know, country club with Jenny Zadarsky and her family and that's the other thing jenny zadarsky uh, we find out in this episode it is is high society it seems it, like it yeah well it's her he's so jenny has invited brad to her parents anniversary party at mm-hmm. the country club <laughs> right and when and when we finally meet her we come back from some other scene on the set of tool time to just this this you know this girl in a nice dress all prettily done up this you know what 12 year old girl yeah. in in the taylor house and which that was I just want to take a break for one of my favorite moments when uh, she arrives and Jill is like doting over her like little jacket. And yeah. she goes as uh, Jenny sits down, Jill's behind her and she like whispers to Tim. Oh, my God. And Tim's like, what are you what's wrong with her? Yeah. <laughs> you, you get the sense that this is the first time a girl has ever been in their house. Yeah. And Jill is just entertaining these yep. fantasies of like, what if I had like just one daughter? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, no, she so. Something yeah, Jenny has given her coat to to Jill, and and Jill says something like, "Oh, isn't she just so adorable? And her coat is so nice too, or something like that." <laughs> Look at her little coat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but she she comes in and, and sits down and is just she's speaking very properly, right? And she calls him Bradley. Oh my god, that got me. Got, I was really hoping. And and Tim and Jill look at each other and yeah. share this look of glee, like, like Bradley? <laughs> they, even, no, they even say it out loud in front of her, like, Bradley? Yeah. And then they repeat the moment when uh, Brad, he calls up to Brad, like, hey, Jenny's here. Yeah. And uh, Brad calls down from upstairs, like, be right down, father. <laughs> and I hope that this comes up more in, in subsequent episodes, that there's this sort of... Well, it's it's like Brad is trying to front that he's that he's high society, <laughs> right? 
for for Jenny, who is who's so high class. Yeah. And are, I mean, already you'd think that like, okay, well, your dad hosts a, a TV show. You, there's probably a fair amount of money in the, uh, going around anyway. Yeah. I mean, cable access, cable access regionally. Look at that bathroom. Their bathroom is <laughs> still beautiful. Well, Binford paid for it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm saying Joe Joe Sixpack not making a lot of money isn't yeah. able to get a major tool conglomerate to pay for a new bathroom in his house. <laughs> I I don't. I feel like on-air talent, yeah. even on a basic cable show. That's fair. Yeah. He's getting paid well, but that Brad is trying to. It's not that he's trying to pretend to be rich, it's that he's trying to pretend to be high class by calling himself Bradley. Right. And, and and when his his dad is uh, kind of klutzy, grunty, uh, blue-collar-y guy, I mean, yeah. someone who works with his hands, albeit in a in a professional TV capacity, I, I, I'm interested to see if they keep going with this where, where Brad is trying to act like they're a more refined, <laughs> right. socialite-type family. But, you know, 30 years down the road, they're going to be going, Brad and Jenny are going to be going to some fancy restaurant, and Brad's going to have a, a radio receiver in his pocket <laughs> listening to the big game while she's trying to say, I'm glad we're spending more time together like we promised. Yeah. And then we'll get our uh, Touchdown Rick reappearance that we've always wanted. Touchdown Rick's kid, and it's going to be... I, I mean, I want to say Azun, because Zune's actually picked up live radio, but I don't know why Brad would have Azun in, like, 2017. That wouldn't make yeah, any no, sense. Yeah, no, right, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, so that whole fantasy doesn't make sense on the basis of Zunes. Well, technically, uh, is he would be... Da, 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 he would be 36 in 2017, so whatever radio device exists in two years. Okay. Well, because then he'd be thirty-eight, which is the age oh, that Tim was. And yes, okay, uh, I, I see it now. This is math. <laughs> yeah. Why does this show keep coming back to math? I don't know. I don't know. We're like trying to. Uh, uh, it's like numbers. That's it. Like that show, numbers, where they solve crimes with math. We're trying to solve home improvement with math. Ah, yes, that's the one. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, Jenny finally makes her appearance. Yeah, and we get this sense of kind of who she is. She doesn't really have any big jokes though necessarily it's more just like it's more setup yeah. stuff i, I want to mention um the actress as i uh, want to do with all these characters yeah people. yeah um i again only know her from this show but apparently she was also in casper and milk money which were two kind of big movies uh of mine as a kid i don't remember her from them yeah. she was also in flipper uh, with the paul hogan like yeah movie adaptation version of it which i never saw but i um, I think I actually remember her from Casper, which I saw in theaters as a child. I'm sure I did uh, at an age that was a little older than I should have been. And I think, I think I can remember her from the Flipper movie too, which we watched in math class when I was in seventh grade one time. <laughs> I definitely remember Paul Hogan. Did they just roll in one of those uh, big, big TV? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's like, oh, good, we don't have to learn anything today. <laughs> Why did we watch that in math class? That's the this is why I'm not good at math because we were watching Flipper. Was was Flipper like uh, counting the basketballs that he hit through the hoop in the water or something? I don't believe so. I think one of the subplots in the Flipper movie was that the is that Flipper had been a military dolphin in the past who then escapes. So there's this whole subplot about the Navy trying to capture Flipper back for some kind of what. Military, but yeah, and and Paul Hogan's in the middle of it, going like, "Oh crikey, this is weird." Uh, <laughs> it, it was a it was a strange. Uh, wow, I'm actually bummed I missed that one. Well, you know, man, this is maybe we got to do a podcast where we watch Flipper fifty two times or something. <laughs> we'll just go through Jenny Zadarsky's. Any, oh, her name is uh, um, Jenny Zadarsky. <laughs> Jessica Wesson. Jessica Wesson. Yeah, that that name is more high class. My parents are having their party at the country club than Jenny Zadarsky. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. 
Uh, something she also mentioned, so I guess her parents are driving to the country club and they have stopped to pick up Brad on the way. Yeah. And she is, she mentions, oh, we need to get going. Dad's waiting in the car. When he has to wait too long, he gets agitated and then he starts to burp. <laughs> yes. So do we want to talk about what that means? I, I just assume that her dad's Robert Durst. <laughs> God, that means that means Brad's uh, night is going to take a real weird turn. <laughs> There's going to be shoplifting. There's going to be, uh... hey, Brad, this is my latest <laughs> wife. Don't ask what happened to the other ones. <laughs> uh, but we get another um, <clears throat> instance of her saying, uh, oh, can I also get an autograph? Uh, my dad loves Al. Well, no, it's like, my dad My dad loves home improvement, yeah. and then Tim jumps up and says, oh, I'll get you an autograph. Oh, is that how, yeah. And then she says, oh, can it be of Al? Because that's what my dad loves. <laughs> right. Wait, no, she says, my dad loves Al. Yeah. And then Tim goes, Tim stops and just goes, yeah, we all love Al. And then he just turns and, and just goes, Brad, get down here! <laughs> oh, it's funny. And that's the direct segue into, I'll be down in a minute, Father. Yeah, yeah. And Randy gets one of his uh, funny lines as well when he comes down. And he's like, Brad got his tie stuck in a zipper. <laughs> uh, which leads to the next scene where Tim, as we discussed, goes up to talk to Brad about, you know, uh, dancing with a girl for the first time. He gives this really, like, kind of sweet bit of advice because Brad's talking about, what if my hands get uh, sweaty or whatever? Yeah. Tim's like, oh, here's an old trick of mine. He pulls out two Kleenex and... Uh, wads him up and puts him in his pocket. He's like, if your hands get sweaty, just you know, put them in there, dry. You're back in the game, buddy. And that's a really good. That's a really good tip. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just more of that kind of father son bonding. That I thought, you know, I think it's pretty cool to be able to see on the show. I like it. All three of them have a, a nice moment with him up there, where they kind of prepare him and then send him downstairs. And he just says, "Hey, knock him, knock her dead. Yeah, no, knock him dead. That's knock her dead. That's that's Jenny Zadarsky's father's territory, <laughs> as Robert Durst." Uh, <laughs> Also, uh, so they they go back downstairs after this, and there's this kind of weird scene where Brad is giving a corsage or whatever mm-hmm. to Jenny Sidarsky. So it's almost like prom night, even though it's just her her parents' anniversary. Right. But so he's giving the the thing to her and doing this kind of formal thing. And Tim and Jill are standing in the background watching with their hands clasped to their heart. And Randy is just sitting on the couch like six inches away from them watching. And then he makes a retching noise. And then Tim chases him all over the house and upstairs. <laughs> and it's like, if you weren't already feeling awkward about this kind of, this step in your life, Brad, why not have your whole family stand there watching Watch you? And, yeah, Jill uh, Jill asks to take a picture before they go. and With a film camera. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you do you remember those times? I don't know. Oh, I remember like, those yeah, times. you take a picture and then you had to like take it to a place and wait and to get a phone call that your photos are ready. I, That's insane. My it was I think snowball my junior year of high school. The pictures were taken on an old style camera, and I remember going to the photo place and getting the envelope back and opening it up and going through all the pictures yeah, of me. There and was the girl. like a little bit of excitement about that. Now yeah. it's like I don't remember the last time I looked at a picture that I took. I no, <laughs> I don't. I don't either. I uh, I take pictures of things all the time, and I think just so I can tell my brain that I actually saw it. <laughs> yeah, right. There's like, we've kind of lost a little bit of sentimentality because even only, you know, waiting a week or two weeks to get your pictures back, you can get them and go, 
or you kind of relive that moment and go, oh, remember that? Oh, that was so sweet. And kind of recontextualize the moment uh, to be a little sweeter mm-hmm. if you wanted to or whatever. Uh, and now it's just like it's it comes and goes and we think we care about pictures, but we don't. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the technology podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is the downfall of society. We, we need we need a better name than the technology <laughs> podcast. That's really... No, it's just nice and general. Yeah. It's a catch-all title. Yeah, for, for basically everything. <laughs> Technically, level, levers are technology and wheels. <laughs> Welcome to the Technology Podcast. This week we're talking about fulcrums and the Large Hadron Collider. It's all technology. It all counts. Oh, also, also, I'm now up to two Large Hadron Collider jokes on this show, because I guess that's the only piece of technology I can think of other than yeah. fulcrums. The, the podcast that watches and listens to grunt work every week are doing their, <laughs> their Hadron Collider count. And that podcast is called Grunt Work Work. <laughs> um, before we, we move on too far, one of my favorite moments of the episode was with Brad. It was actually Brad's performance uh, when Jill very sweetly offers to teach him how to dance. Oh, yeah. And Brad <laughs> just like, do I have to? And like does this little performance where he drags his feet and waves his head. And like, it, it, it's, it's Paul Rudd in that scene in Wet Hot American Summer where yes. he's cleaning up and he doesn't want to. He has to clean up the plate he threw on the ground. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. I don't know why that tickled me so much, but uh, yeah, it really did. And then uh, I was waiting for the moment for, to be addressed, but Brad finally does. He's like... As soon as he realizes he has to touch his mother, he's like, I don't want to dance with my mom. <laughs> because that got really kind of edible for a half a second there. It was like, yeah. ah, do you want to be taught to dance that close by your mother? But but then she makes the point that, uh, I changed your diaper and powdered your butt. <laughs> <laughs> the way she drives home butt is yeah. yet another Patricia Richardson uh Nugget of gold. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I also worry that my Patricia Richardson Texan accent is approaching parody, which I never <laughs> intend for it to. It's I'm not making fun of you, Ms. Richardson. I just suck at every impression. Uh, well, oh, my God. I think we need to go back for yeah. a second here and just quickly discuss. So, as we mentioned, Tim gets his head glued to a table. Yeah. The way that that's resolved, he comes home when uh, Karen and Jill are... Karen and Jill are talking and drinking their white wine and talking about how, oh, we were too tough on Tim earlier. We shouldn't make fun of him when he comes back. Right. And then he opens the door and walks in, and he has got, basically, they've they've cut the rest of the table off, but he has this big flat section of tabletop uh, right. glued to his forehead. I'm mimicking what it looks like with my hand right now for the benefit of the one person in the room who saw the episode. <laughs> but, so, he, it's a really good just bit of comedy. Yeah. He's got this thing glued to his head. Well, I think that's, like, in the top three iconic images of Home Improvement, so I, I feel like most people know what that looks like. Yeah, okay, okay. But, so, he, he comes in with this thing glued to his head, and there's just a lot of good comedy surrounding it. And so, yeah, they really, like, they get a string of zingers in there. It's good, and Tim is not laughing at any of them, and it's like, Tim, dude, this is gold. So, <laughs> he's, he, you know, they ask, oh, Tim, what, what, you couldn't get that taken off, and... Tim says, I went to the emergency room, but they said I'm not a priority. And Jill goes, why? Is there a guy with a whole table glued to his head? This <laughs> is a really greatly written joke. I, I, and either that one is my favorite joke of, of the episode, or then literally two seconds later, uh, Jill goes, Randy, set the table. And Randy goes, do you want to say it? Okay, Dad, bend over. <laughs> that might be the one, actually. Because yeah. that that is... I think in a few other episodes, they've kind of shoehorned 
jokes in yeah. for Randy that aren't necessarily funny, right? Like, where he's making fun of Dad in a way that's just cruel and not funny. This is genuinely funny and came out of yeah. left field. Well, we've talked before. At least my personal opinion is that Randy's at his best when he's being contentious and throwing stuff back at Tim. Yeah, and uh, it was the perfect moment to show that Randy can can deal him out with the best. He can be there with the grownups and engage in that sort of witticism battle. Uh, and yeah, it just, it fits so properly. He didn't miss a beat. Uh, and just really came in. Yeah. I just felt like a sports commentator. He really came in for the win there. He just, he brought it when it needed to be done. Touchdown! <laughs> Goal! That's Joke! Joke! Yep. Yep. <laughs> Have you got... Anything, I mean, there was, a, let's see, there was a cool saw transition going out of that scene where they cut yeah. the entire, cut the entire screen in half and go to the next thing. Um, Karen has, there's a moment where, uh, Karen is kind of putting Tim to the test and says, hey, if Jill got a, trying to disprove, trying to challenge Tim on his assertion that, no, that he and Jill are equal. Right. Saying, oh, if Jill got a high-powered job in Seattle and wanted yeah. to move, how would you feel about that? Which is an unfair argument, I feel like. Because you, you can't answer one way or the other. You would have to have to talk that through with your significant other. You yeah. can't just give an answer to your friend, your, yeah. your wife's friend in the heat of the moment. Yeah. I, and also, I feel like just the trope of your significant other uh, got an amazing job offer in Seattle is a, it, I feel like I've just seen that multiple times right. where like that the ultimate test of, of your, your goodness as a spouse is willing to being willing to move to Seattle for your person's job. Like yeah. there was a, the onion article a couple years ago where like Barack Obama resigns presidency because Michelle got her dream job in Seattle. And yeah. he's like, well, I have to well, support my it wife. Is, it's like the last it's, you know, on the West coast in the upper corner of the country. It's, it's the further, like, Alaska isn't quite as realistic, so uh, Seattle yeah. is like... Yeah, no, Seattle's a city you'd want to move right. to. But I read that as our in into writing the Frasier's oh, <laughs> Home yeah. Improvement uh, movie. I No, it's... Oh, it's a movie now? Oh, I'm sorry. It wasn't it before? Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I, I was. It was a crossover episode, but now I'm ready for it to be a made-for-TV movie. <laughs> Uh, I, no, I'm I'm all about that. Yeah, Jill Jill gets the job there. Tim moves out, gets a job on KCL 780 Seattle, and <laughs> and, and it goes on and on. He and yeah. Bulldog Briscoe would make great co-hosts. I've said all of this before, but yeah. it's still true. Yeah, no, we're gonna develop this a little bit more, and uh, we'll pitch it to Kelsey Grammer. Uh, yeah, and and I'm sure he's got nothing else going on. He'll be <laughs> he'll be in to reprise the role he played for 21 years. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't have too much else except for this, which is um, I don't know if you noticed when Tim had his head glued to the table on Tool Time, uh, he says, "We'll be right back after these messages from Binford." Oh, meaning that Binford is obviously advertising on the show, uh, and I don't think it's ever been explicitly stated that. Binford presents Tool Time, mm -hmm. but obviously they they sponsor the show because it only showcases their tools. But um, also kind of interesting that there are, well, I guess there are commercials on all cable shows. Yeah, that's not too weird. Yeah, that's kind of how they make the money to air the shows. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it if there were no commercials either, but that's kind of the whole Is that point how of television. Tele works? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The show isn't the point. The commercials are the point. <laughs> it's been 20 years since I've seen a commercial in the middle of a television show. Oh, man. I don't... I, you don't miss it. It's not great. <laughs> no. Uh, and the, actually, one other thing I wanted to mention, just another good bit that I thought. Yeah. So when Tim is talking to Wilson, 
Wilson is giving these examples of uh, societies uh, run by women and how they were brutal and you know how, oh there were whole there were full there were whole female uh, female armies uh, in Africa and in ancient Babylon uh, they would they would burn a man at the stake every year to ensure fertile crops and Tim says that's a lot to sacrifice for zucchini. <laughs> That was a good joke. Yeah, solid, yeah, like solid zucchini reference. Yeah. Also, uh, zucchini is just a funny word. Oh, zucchini is great. That's it, the, the funniest name of the vegetables, I think. Probably. The funniest fruit name is kumquat. <laughs> and bananas are the funniest looking. Hmm. Uh, but also, in that same scene, Wilson, having been impressed that Tim knows what a patriarchy is, yeah. then refers to matriarchal societies, and Tim goes, Matriarchal? You mean they're run by maitre d's? <laughs> Which is funny, yes, but it suggests that Tim does know what a maitre d' is, but doesn't know what a maitre... So he's he's feigning stupidity, or feigning ignorance over things. Uh, it, it's... I've heard about this as kind of a power move, where you want to get people on your side, so you play dumb so that they over-explain things, and they feel like they've contributed to you, and they feel more bonded with you that way. It, it's reverse metamessaging. <laughs> What's what's the opposite of meta? We have to ask Wilson. He's the one who knows all the Greek and Latin roots. Bitch, Earl Inman's dead. Ah, well, the world will never know then. Oh, man. Wait, are you saying God is dead? Yes, I am. Well, with that, folks, <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you want to... <laughs> uh, the show notes for this episode will be posted on our website, gruntworkpodcast.com. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please share it wherever you can. Uh, it really helps when uh, you share us because it helps others find us. Plus, uh, every time you share us... It means that we don't have to burn a man at the stake to ensure that we get plenty of listeners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on our website, you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter in order to get notified whenever a new episode is available. Uh, and we also offer some exclusive content there, whatever we can muster for the week. I've been throwing up some videos and, uh... That must hurt. Tim, <laughs> no, just vomiting everywhere on it our just, newsletters. It's not... I clean it up before I actually send it out to everybody. Just just vomiting 4K <laughs> onto... The, this is a disgusting <laughs> note to end on. God. You can also follow us on all the various social media places. Uh, our name is at GruntWorkPod. And with that... At Landon, do you know what time it is? It's time for men and women to work together. I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm.